Hey, Rachel, what's the status with the Emerald City special? Were you able to line up guests? Okay, so, um, yeah, about that. What's up? Well, you know how I usually invite a whole bunch of people? Because it's a convention, so people end up having evening plans, or someone always ends up canceling. So what happened? Did everyone cancel? Well, no. We've got Chris Anka again. Hey, awesome. He was great in New York. So it's just him and us. Nope. Peter Wynn, too. From Wolverines? Sweet. I was hoping we could get at least one writer this time, but... Oh, we did. We did. We got Marguerite Bennett. Hey, that makes what? Five of us on one mic? That's going to be rough, but as long as it's... And Kieran Gillen. What?! I'm Rachel Edidin. And I'm Miles Stokes. And we are here to explain the X-Men. Because it's about time someone did. Welcome to the 51st episode of Rachel and Miles Explain the X-Men, where we walk you through the ins, outs, and retcons of our favorite superhero soap opera. So we are recording this in a hotel room in Seattle after the first day of Emerald City Comic Con, so we're all a little sleep-deprived and a little punchy. And we are all also more than the usual two of us. Uh, it, Rachel, let's talk about who we have. It's true. So we have writers Marguerite Bennett and Kieran Gillen and artists Chris Anka and Peter Nguyen here with us making this, I think, the, our largest episode ever, at least population-wise. It's true. It's going to be twice as long, twice as awesome, twice as other adjectives that I cannot think of because I've been selling Dark Horse merchandise all day. It has been a lot of convention already, and it's only Friday. Um, so first of all, welcome, everybody. Yes. And to pass the buck, if you'd mind going around talking a little bit about yourselves and the Xbox or, in Peter's case, the cartoons that you've worked on. <laughs> My name is Peter Wynn. Uh, I worked on Wolverine and Wolverine and the X-Men the Cartoon, which you just mentioned. Wolverine number nine with Fang and Dakin and Logan Legacy number six or seven, I forgot. <laughs> the one where Elixir dies, yeah. you know. Yes. I'm Kieran Gillen. I have written several X-Books. I have written the Sword X-Book. I've written the Generation Hope X-Book, I wrote Red the Uncanny X-Men X-Book, I wrote Origin 2 the X-Book, and that was it, isn't it? Uh, those oh, are the ones that I got Uncanny X-Men cancelled. Uh, <laughs> twice. Oh, uh, so I got it cancelled this time, so hey. <laughs> <laughs> you have some catching up to do. Yeah. Chris Anka, uh, draw Uncanny X-Men until it dies. And any other X-Book that's behind schedule that he caught up on, that's my job. Yeah, you are terrifyingly fast. They give me a deadline and I'm just too scared to miss it. He's actually drawing uh, four books right now, one with each limb. Uh, you can't see it, but you'll have to take our word for it. <laughs> um, and I'm Marguerite Bennett, and I'm a baby in terms of the X group. Um, I've done the Lady Deathstrike one-shot, the Logan Legacy, and I'm doing Years of Future Past with Mike Norton. So this is a convention special, and if you listen to the Emerald City one, you know that these get kind of ridiculous, and they're much, much, much less structured than our usual episodes. And so this time, we, we went in and sort of talked about what we all, you know, wanted to discuss and things that we, we all cared about and worked on. And what we pretty much settled on was Namor, because he's amazing. Namor and, is amazing. And he has a last name, which I did not know. It's uh, Mackenzie, was it? Namor Mackenzie. Namor Mackenzie, famous Scotsman. <laughs> it's true. As an X-Men buff, I'm proud, like, I did not know that. I'm so upset with myself. Yeah, I always viewed him as an Avenger, actually. Dude, don't. They don't deserve them. I was thought like um, the Defenders. Yeah, I see that yeah. too. Yeah. The only team that Namor's on is his own. Yeah, that's, that's always my Namor take. I've joined Namor's side. I continue to ally closely with me. <laughs> so I guess we can talk about some other things other than Namor and Mackenzie, which just makes me think of, of Strange Brew, like with Bob and Doug Mackenzie, and Namor is just sitting there being like super snooty in the background <laughs> while they're all Canadian. And So to step it back a bit, um, yes. Marjorie, you said you were brand new to X-Men, but I should point out, you've done one issue. You are one for one. That issue was awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have <laughs> So, so basically, it's all just the potential for 
utter disaster from here. Great. <laughs> oh, with that being said, yeah, uh, Years of Future Past looks mm-hmm. stellar. I'm really Thank excited so much. about like, that. Mike Norton is just such a beast, and I wish he was here so I could buy him all the drinks. We can just have a, a, a hotel room just packed with axe creators. Mike Norton wouldn't get in here. As in, Mike Norton's like 800 foot tall. Uh, and he would actually just completely fail to fit. He would be by the window, though. Right, he could just sort of like stick his head in the window. I'm Mike Norton. It would be like the Iron Giant. Yes. Yeah, he's so wonderful, though, and he's so detailed, and just, you know, just brings, um, yeah, and just like the labor of love, though. I mean, just like every broken window he must have drawn in this, drawn in this dystopia. Like, I think I remember reading an interview about the book, yeah, and it was just like rubble everywhere. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Rubbletopia. And um, we have uh, FCO Placencia um, as our colors. Oh, so it's just like, um, I, I don't deserve this art team. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> Why can I have you? <laughs> Man, are there any other like post-current universe explodo projects that any of you can talk about that you're working on? I understand there are many secrets. Or lie egregiously about, that's probably okay too. I can't talk about anything that post everything exploding. I, well, I can't even talk about it. I can say that I'm doing something during the exploding. Yeah. They just haven't announced it. I don't know why they haven't announced it. Yet. Yeah, they've announced almost everything at this point. Yeah, there's a I few guess. left and I'm one of the few. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about mine, which of course may be cut if it doesn't announce on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing a book called Siege. If you've seen the Battle World map, there's a big like a wall around the middle, which is called yeah. the Shield. Uh, and it's basically the people on the Shield defending against everything who's south of the Shield. So it's kind of Night's Watch, but with the Marvel multiverse. So I've grabbed a load of alternate dimension characters, stuck them on the wall, put them in an impossible situation to deal with. Kind of a semi-sequel to Sword, in terms of split, which of course was my first X-Men book. Yeah. Uh, so Abigail Brand's in charge, and we've got like Hank McCoy's involved in a weird way, and we have uh, Magic's in there. Oh, units in it. Uh, two units as a kind of which is very cute. Awesome. Uh, one day I'll do a proper story of unit, but not today. <laughs> uh, and Kang's in it. I don't know Kang's not an character, but I just like saying Kang, and I'm finally getting a chance to write Kang. Kang, the Kang conquers. That guy's got a stellar fashion sense. It's five eyes, literally. I, I had his um his Secret Wars action figure from like the first Secret Wars, even though he was. I guess he was in the story, and I remember loving that thing, even though I knew nothing about the character. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, are we? Did they let you guys in on, on merchandising knowledge? Are we gonna? Are we gonna actually see like crazy action figure lines from this? Because that would be I so great. Think, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a missed opportunity, man. I honestly don't know because uh, I, I don't pay any attention to merchandising because I'm stupid. I'd be very surprised if I don't, you know? <laughs> right? I actually didn't even know about, like, the action figure variant covers that they were doing. And so, like, I mean, like one should have in my inbox. And I was like, why are we making an action figure out of this character? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm really curious as to who that's going to be. I'm really smart. <laughs> so I'm going to ask, actually, a question going from that. If you could get an action figure of any X character, any universe, any iteration. Oh, I want a whiz kid. <laughs> I want whiz kid with his wheelchair and, like, add on. Oh, from the Exterminators? Yeah. Yeah, I want yeah. the most racial... Mutant Asian kid possible. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Professor X, but like he can make any anime robot he wants. <laughs> yes, he's perfect. It's such an eighties like mutant, isn't he? Like I'm gonna make a giant robot. <laughs> yes, that was an underappreciated team. That and Fallen Angels were underappreciated. What about the rest of you guys? I would probably have actually units because I created it and therefore I kind of get some money for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> <So laughs> purely mercenary. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I, yeah, one Hope, who I created, so I get some money for that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I go to units just because uh, Steve Sanders made. He'd have to have some weird stand because he's got no. Yeah, legs. Legs, right? yeah, yeah. So that'd be very annoying. It's, it's a kind of weird floating dealer of death kind of look he has. You could totally uh, like the reverse magnetic thing yeah. where he floats. You know, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah that. Like, yeah, I'm on. I'm on. I want like like a Hot Toys quality six scale brew. Oh, nice! It's <laughs> adorable little brew. Like in this school uniform. In this school uniform with the big glasses and like holding the bag and like, just a giant smile on his face. It's like what's going on? Like waving. 
<laughs> yes, nothing even remotely common. I, I try to squeeze Bruin everywhere I can. It's like, I just want to draw the mm-hmm. super happy guy in all of the dudes. Um, I kind of want like a Lady Deathstrike action figure, but I'm biased. I mean, I just want her like you know with like the redesign that we came up with like for her outfit for the one shot because I mean I was just like I, I worked with Wando who is a wizard. We were just you know in the redesign phase for her outfit. And so I was, like, sending them, like, Zuhair Murad jackets and, like, Alexander McQueen. And I was like, can we find something like this, please? And so I'd really like that. I want a button, like, on her back. And when you push it, like, the nails shoot out. I was going to ask about that, yeah. Like, that's so dangerous. Yeah, you can give it to children. That's half the fun. <laughs> it, it's really only a good action figure if it gets recalled. But it's, like, month. it's like yes. actual, like, nine-inch nails that just, like, shoot, like glow them in and, like, shoot them out. Quick question. Does she always have the ability to retract them? I think um, so, yeah. Okay. Because in my oh, issue, okay. they're doing it. And I thought, well, you know, she should probably retract them here, but I thought they were permanent, so I kind of left them out. <laughs> so she's like picking up a glass. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, yeah, that makes me think of like that, that metaphor with the people in hell who can't bend their elbows and feed each other. Like she has to cooperate with other people in order to do like, basic functions. They look so painful. Because no, originally her arm was cybernetic, so like it's just yeah. all fake anyways. Yeah, all right. So that, that, that makes sense. Because there's usually a little bit longer yeah. than normal. Right? And then she lost that body, mm-hmm. became. Oh, then there was a series of Japanese woman again who had no powers, and then somehow the powers back. Like, oh. yeah. What's the Captain America character with like blades for hands? He's even more stupid. It's like it's like <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just like a stunt arm with two blades yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Yeah, what do hands to don't, don't do yeah. that, dude. <laughs> right, I have a great idea. Well, yeah, it's it's going to make my life hard. No, I think it's like you cut off like his forearm like halfway down. Oh, it's, it's, it's on yeah. machetes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like That's it. That's what? the entire superpower. It's so much more versatile than if you just hold them. Like you get an additional <laughs> foot and a half of reach. I'm a proud machete owner. I can. It's part of the hood. <laughs> <laughs> We would just hang out at Marguerite looking over the city and she's like, I'm doing, I like doing a super villain, she's sitting there, I will own this. <laughs> Has a machete. Next <laughs> super villain I make is we based I know, on you. He's like a white cat at this point. Yes. And this, this, this is our first time uh, mm-hmm. meeting you, so this is like, you know, this is a formative fact about you. <laughs> Marguerite by the machete owner. No, she's like, you need a white cat. We need Sean and McGuire's cats who periodically retrieve her machetes and bring them to her. No, the machete, the machete order was like kind of trashy though. Um, it was like a couple years ago, and um, it was right after I was still in grad school, and uh, we were all back, but class hadn't started yet, and so we just wound up like having a party one night and getting very drunk and just binging on The Walking Dead. Like a few weeks later, uh, this long thin package arrived, and first I was like, "Oh, like you know, like what is this?" And it was addressed to me, and I opened it. And first I thought it was going to be like a baseball bat because we talked to him about getting one for home security, and they pulled out a machete. But it was definitely for me, and I was like, who loves me enough to buy me a machete? <laughs> like, we, you know, we went down a list, and I was texting people, like, did you send me a machete? <laughs> Which is gotta be one of the weirdest texts you got in the blue. And then one of my friends sent back, he was like, this sounds like the super villain Marguerite's our alter ego did something. And so I was like, ha ha, and then I started to get concerned. Flash <laughs> or something. And I went back through Amazon, and I bought, I'm the one who loves me enough to buy me a machete, it turns out. It's like a, it was like a Tyler Durden. I'm I think something, some conversation happened during The Walking Dead. Wow. That's, that's how we handled that. The origin is that you bought yourself that machete? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Past Marguerite bought present confused Marguerite a machete because she oh, loves so her and doesn't want her to die in a zombie apocalypse. Like, what, what is, this, what is the past Marguerite like, preparing you for? Yeah. Like, what's gonna happen? Like, I know you need Wait, a machete. But you no know what? No one would fuck with our house. I mean, it's one thing if, like, you know, like a big tattooed guy or like a baseball bat shows up if you try to break in, but it's another if, like, you know, a wild eyed blonde in a nightgown greets you at the door. Okay, okay. Yeah, we can, I, there we go. Future uh-huh. traveled into the past mm-hmm. and Amazon ordered for you. Mm-hmm. If you need the machete. No, she didn't she do knew. that. She traveled into the past, and because you'd only been working on X Men briefly and didn't have proper psychic defenses yet, she was able to possess you oh, in order to understand. Oh, my own favorite X Men. Oh, <laughs> <Lord>. oh, <yes. laughs> so that answers another question. Is that your favorite X Men and Shadowcat? 
Okay, so round the table then. Favorite X-Men? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to go yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm a frost, but I'm just remembered. I'm not going to say I'm packed, the joke's so crap, I'm going to say it for the comic. But after this finishes, ask me my shadow cat analogue I'm using. Emma. I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. we talked about that last I think time. Yeah, I think everyone knows. I think the X office is too scared to give Emma to anyone else because they know the hellfire will rain upon that office. Like, my first book, Phonogram, um, like a cat's called Emily Esther, is in it, and she's very clearly my Emma Frost audition type, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Colossus is up there because his name is Piotr, and that's pretty close to my name. And he's an artist, right? That's pretty mm. too easy. Mm. And your I skin just, does turn into organic skin. Yeah, yeah. I did that. And you were such an easy sell. <laughs> and you just like punching tractors. I know. That's <laughs> I'm your sister. How it goes? Uh, Iceman's also up there, but I think I'm Magneto. Oh, he's great. Fair enough. I love Magneto. Yeah. Mystique is, I think, my favorite though. If I were Magneto, I live in Hawaii. I would build my own metal island. Asteroid P and live on it by myself <laughs> right next to Wahoo and it'd be great. Did you guys see the current costume Magneto who was going around the show today? It was a crossplay costume. Amazing. Yeah. So With good. the black and the hood. I only got X-Women. I got a great Marvel girl, great Scarlet Witch, Rogue, and uh, Magic. Okay, so so uh, I feel like we should at least have some vague like uh, podcast <laughs> coherent structure here. Okay, so we did favorite characters. What version of the X-Men were the ones that you kind of imprinted on Baby Duck style? Cliche for me, but I was totally a 90s X-Men animated series kid. But I also got through X-Men through uh, thrift shops. So all these issues would come in and I'd get reprints of like the awesome Storm vs. Callisto. So I'd get all these random issues and it was all over the place, but that's kind of what I had because it matched up with the cartoon. Um, mine was probably the first movie, which is even more shame-inducing, right? Oh, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was 11 or 12. I mean, like, you know, I thought like, you know, spare comics here and there and episodes of the cartoon, but I really think it was the first movie. And it was sort of the perfect storm. That's like really perfect storm. I, was, I literally yeah. was it. there's a joke And But no, if, I, if it had been younger, I think, I, you know, X-Men would have appealed to me, you know, as, as, you know, the powers. But because, you know, I was right on that, like, cusp of adolescence, I identified a lot with, like, the isolation and the confusion. It resonated really differently and really strongly because of that. And so, like, I don't know, it gave me, like, a deeper appreciation for it as, like, I got really into it when I was a teenager. Being a 90s kid, like, I went through all of that, I went through the Morrison, but it didn't really click with me until the Whedon. Because, like, I mean, I saw the movies, I saw the animated I saw all, all the animated series, and I did all that, but it was just kind of, wasn't Captain America to me, so it was kind of like going over my head, and then the Whedon thing just, just grabbed hold. When my wife was doing Uncanny, my wife, I need to understand a word you're saying, like, yeah. where do I start doing X-Men? So I gave Whedon run, it's still what I say, start there. It's a really good overview of this is how X-Men kind of yeah. feel. She's a big Whedon fan as well, which made it an easy sell. Right. Um, so I've got a big gap in my comics. I read comics as a kid, as in, like, I read it in British way because there was no comic shops. So it's like whatever they chose to reprint and an occasional random American issue that might arrive. <laughs> so in other words, like 1960s X-Men at the same time as the stuff that was contemporary as so Claremont. As in, we would kind of get, we have no idea you got right, and you had no idea what issues were going to get to. The idea of continuity didn't really happen. Oh man! So, yeah. so like, my memories are like the first American comic I got. I think it was it in Canning Two Hundred Six. It's one of the San Francisco issues. It's Nimrod. It's the second half of the Nimrod fight against the. And that blew my head. And I had no idea what was going on, but it was awesome. <laughs> uh, and I'm also original X Men. I'm very much like the first ever issues with that that, that core team. And when I came back to comics as an adult, one of the reasons was was Grant's run on. Um, and all the stuff in that period, because it was also just about my love affair at the same time. Because I always remember this girl I was seeing, because she worked in a comic shop. Not, no, <laughs> sorry, I got, I, this girl I was seeing 
Full stop. She works in a comic shop. Uh, that was it. Uh, <laughs> I was not seeing it because she works in a comic shop. Then there was actually about after a few months. Of, can I use your discount? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Joan. Uh, no, it wasn't no, um, She was great. Uh, but there was a copy of, it was a Joe Casey cover where it's the uh, Wolverine snogging uh, Jean Grey cover. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, one. I remember that. And that, that, was by, uh, that was by the bedside. Mm-hmm. And that's weirdly, I connect that entire, to that entire period. <laughs> um, so yeah, but growing out of like reading issues out of continuity, there's something exciting about it because it you yes. you don't know what's going on and you want to know, and that's what makes you. I made me like so curious about like why are they fighting in the sewer system? Like why are the mutants up here? I don't get it. I think people roll with it. It's like like the whole X Men in San Francisco thing. That was one of the first issues I read. Very weird that my run starts with them in San Francisco, which is absolutely outside the thing. And how I just rolled with it. You know, I think people are smart, especially kids. One of the things that I did today was an all ages comics panel. And one of the things that kept on coming up was how much kids pick up from context and how much they'll just make up and develop on their own if they don't have that. Oh, yes. So I'm curious, reading the issues out of order, did you come up with personal canon that later on, you know, turned out to clash with the actual stuff? Oh, 100%. Just, you know, I was getting, like, my cousin's hand-me-down comics, and so I'd get, like, you know, issue two, and then issue seven, issue eight, and then issue, like, 13. And so, like, I I just wrote a ton of fan fiction as a kid (laughs) and as a teenager. And some of it's really funny because, like, there are these in-jokes among my group of friends from high school that have now, like, actually made canon in the X-Men comics. satisfied. That's amazing. (laughs) As an animated series watcher, I thought Morph was a big player. You know, in the books, and he just doesn't show up until way away, and you're like, where is this morph that I know with the baggy eyes? Who and- <laughs> Wolverine, who's the only one that can make Wolverine laugh, apparently. I know, yeah. It's, you know, you think they're all connected, too, right? Even in Evolution, you thought Spike was there. And some people might get upset about that, too. Like, well, you know, Morph, he, isn't he big in the blue team? I'm sure Morph is someone's favorite character. <laughs> I mean, you know, original Morph, not Exiles Morph. Exiles Morph is, is actually kind of cool. Reading angry letters about that. So I, I know Rachel and I have had a question about Wolverine and the X-Men, and, and now we have someone maybe we can ask. Yes, oh my god. What so is the question? The second season. So it, the, it ends and it teases that it's right. going to Age of Apocalypse. Okay. What would have happened? Okay, so there was pre-production for it. Uh, I saw designs for Magic, uh, oh. Deadpool. Oh Jean Grey would have grown her hair out. She would have been in a Jim Lee costume. And then Cyclops, I think it would have a Jim Lee esque costume too. The direction that they were trying to go to was very animated series, but also AOA. They asked me to come back for it because what I did for Warman the X Men season one was effects. I did lasers and prop design and all that stuff. So they were asking me to come back for season two. So they gave me the database to look at everything. And I saw everything. I was super excited. And then I got the notice that they, they wouldn't do it. Was it ever publicly announced why season two never happened? Like, I've looked around and I've heard different conflicting reports. They never told me. They, they just stopped talking. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Maybe you're so hard you just stopped coming in. No, I wish where the hell that guy? You know, it's my first job in any kind of art form ever. And so I, was, I started off as an intern and I did pre-production for them. And I also did whatever they would let me draw. And then I became like laser guy. And, you know, so it was really fun to do all that stuff. But I was so excited to be on season two. I guess the other thing we wanted to ask is we know that Marvel's on the brink of changing everything and obviously you guys can't talk about what's really going to happen but let's say so the four of you we have two writers and two artists Uh, you are suddenly given the reins of the entire Marvel universe and since we really mostly care about X-Men here we'll, we'll focus on that what happens? Oh I'm, I'm quite a big fan of the completely X-Men should exist in, a, exist in the universe with no other superheroes I'm that kind of guy 
I think you know they work better by themselves. Yeah, they have separate other, universes. Yeah, I, I would, that's kind of my immediate urge. I mean, I, I'm going to say this. Mm. So if I'm going to say this, means I will never pitch it. So this is me explicitly saying I'm not going to do this story. But I've always thought there was a Marvel Max book called just call it Mutants or something. Do the X Men from scratch, but very serious mode. Do it kind of like I think you can do that. You can do stuff with the X Men which works very well in that mode. Yeah. Almost like New Universe style, where yeah, it tries to be more. Well, not. I don't, I, hate the idea, I don't mean grim and gritty. I mean, like, and I don't even mean realistic what it'd be really like. I think you could, like, you could do a really interesting novel. You know, as in, here we're going to plan it, it's going to be 60 issues long, it's going to be a big kind of Vertigo esque thing. Also, X Men, but as a single 70 issue series with a plan, bit middle, beginning, and end, that here's a big statement about mutants. That could be quite cool. Oh man! So we have we have. Uh, the, but I'll never pitch that now. Sorry. <laughs> now it's, taken, it's taken by this episode of the show that some people listen to. That's right. Um, okay, so we, we have writerly vision number one, and then uh, Marguerite. So then then you are like the the sort of writing counterpoint. So where where do you take this concept? I mean, mine's, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't you know restart anything. Um, but I love the AUs. Like I love that we're and you know Secret Wars has been a lot of fun like because of that. Um, especially you know like we're we're doing uh, Angela sixteen oh two right now. Um, and I really just love AUs. Like, DC, like, I loved all the Elseworld books. Um, like, just, and the rando ones, too. Like, Pirate Batman. Um, <laughs> I was really into that stuff. And I would love to see more of that um, in, in Marvel. I mean, that, but again, that's the kind of thing where I don't think it would sell, but I would really enjoy doing it. For what it's worth, <laughs> we would totally buy it. And not just because we have to buy every X book. I mean, Cable is one. Cable, make Grey Richard, they're all AUs, they're just like, come on, I'm in now! I'm like, okay, well, we're just... It's an alternate universe that's entirely populated by horrible summer's children. <laughs> <laughs> just so much of like, just like, just, you can't have kids, and it just love God. And stop all the alternate versions of you from doing it, too. So actually, here's a question I want to spin off of from what you said about mm-hmm. AUs. How far do you think you can modify the X-Men and have them stay the X-Men in the ways that matter? What are the fundamental concepts... That have to be there, or you know, that's pretty existential, yeah. Existential. Can we do a serial? Can we do a serial? Yeah. The existentials is not a name that's ever been used as a team. I'm, I'm amazed by that. Yeah, that's that's a really good team what if we name. put them together right now? What is the squad's purpose on the existential? Good question. What is the purpose of anything? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so obviously you're on the team. <laughs> <laughs> so the team members are Douglas Ramsey, Kieran Gillen, mm. <laughs> uh, the anarchist from X Force. I have to imagine Dr. Nemesis. Oh, yeah. Just getting angry at everything. Yeah. Did you just you be that angry at all of them? Just, well, what are you talking he's about? Pragmatic, yeah. yeah he's just, what are you talking about? You need one of them to constantly be yelling oh, yeah. at Yeah, dupe. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hear me out. The Secret Wars 2 Beyonder, because has there ever been a more annoyingly existentialist character? Put him Long on shot. Board. Long shot. The Beyonder, Dupe, Kieran Gillen, uh, Cypher. So, we, so, uh, so far we've got all dudes. Can I be, can I be Professor X? Because uh, I've gone bald. That's true. He's yeah. had a beard, though. Professor X never had a beard. That is true. Well, he should have. Uh, I'm going to make him more of a Can I see your X So, Moira, then. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, we still have to get Grandma to, to talk about why he hates Mario forever. So we have our writerly vision. And did you have anything else you wanted to, to add, Marguerite? Or? No, I think it's solid. Okay, so so Art, um, Chris, Peter, what what is, what is the visual feel? What what does this what does this world look like? Are there pouches? How many? As much as I love the nineties, I don't need the pouches anymore. Where so. do they put their phones? They have, they, have, they have belt clips like like everyone's dad. <laughs> I, I think some characters... Scott does. Scott does. has like the big one. He just attaches to the side. Yeah. He's like, what? This is cool. This is cool. This is cool. I don't care if it's cool. It's convenient. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's like the problem is like I, I want like a coexistent universe. 
because I want like an issue where like Bruce solves everything because it's Bruce. And Scott like puts them on his shoulders and just walks around to, like all the Avengers and just flips everyone off. You <laughs> like, did it! Like, what's up? Like, I got an alien like, on my shoulders. Like, he got it. He got this. And just champing him around. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, so, so visually, are we going for like the astonishing X Men style, you know, superhero flashy thing, or more like the Frank Quitely, you know, I like colors, man. Yeah. yeah, I can't do the all black X Men number one. Black That's You've got the kind of, in my head, it's like, it's the Texas Centralist, they've got the all like John Paul Sartre. So you've got a polo neck and a beret. <laughs> okay, I'm asking. I, 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 I know we have too many male characters, but I'm throwing in Bernard the Poet anyway. Kill <laughs> his other X Men. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's our episode title. The one book I always pitched, uh, not pitched, uh, the, the idea of the book was basically um, Hella. Because you know that when Danny Musso was the Valkyrie, yeah, yeah. Danny yes. Musso as Hela's Valkyrie with magic, and yes, which who's, the, so who's the third character? I forget who the third character was, and it was Hela's angels. That's my, <laughs> that's my dream book. Oh, oh I, my I, so do we want to just forget who the third one? It was someone similar, someone who would have. It doesn't even matter. Right? Uh, perf- do we want to just like oh, reconceptualize yeah. this entire X Men universe as just Hela's angels as mm-hmm. the yes. entire X line? <laughs> <laughs> but but then, then, it, then it automatically crosses with another one. It's not. It's not just an X universe. We, you've got an automatic push to Thor. That being said, I kind of feel like uh, like Thor should have a place in any comic ever, regardless. Yeah, he's their weekly sitcom bartender. He's their mechanic. Why not full takeover? I think he's a terrible mechanic. You just break everything. Yeah, yeah. as I mentioned, now they're all done. Yeah. Uh, see, I was trying to be all referential. Okay. Thor's not going to be Thor anymore, so Thor can be Storm. This Storm is can just, do three ass. This is even more of a mutant sausage party. All right, though. fine. You know what? No, yeah. no, 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 no women. That's a huge direction. Can we pull in DC? Can we have? Can we have the Brotherhood of Dada in this? Because I feel like yes, from Doom Patrol. Yes. Why not? Okay. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we wandered uh, far afield. <laughs> essentialists. Um, man. We started calling X Men. We have no idea where we are. I feel like Sage would probably end up on the oh, team. Oh, she's totally on the team. Uh, hey, you can do Sage. Interestingly, I but feel no like one possible, ever does. But I feel like you could. You could, but no one ever does. Ah, well, someone should. I quite like the Morrison's. Like, I mean, you you goes down there, isn't it? She's only very tangentially yeah. in the Morrison run. She's she's in she's the very very fringes of. Right? Yeah, she's yeah. mostly an extreme X Men. In the Morrison run, she's only in the um the Who Killed Emma Frost mystery. Yeah, she's only at the very periphery of that. But I, yeah. I like that type of it. I thought it was good. Yeah, well, I she's, she's great it. as a bit character. But I like what she did to. I mean, what she did to Rogue that was a visual memory for me. Jump oh yeah, that was cool. I agree. That's you know, a cool, that's a cool gift to give to me to, for a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna jumpstart you, and then I would like it to have had yeah more profound repercussions than just you get to be awesome for a while and then less so. Okay, so I think we we're we're, we're continuing to to wander in our okay, so, <laughs> so clearly we need a common theme, and clearly that common theme needs to be Namor's abs. Yeah, Namor's abs. Okay. This is. I, I should qualify that I'm not pulling this out of nowhere. This is. There's a whole section of the conversation that is not on record while we were eating pizza, and it really all comes back to Namor's abs forever. And I really feel like Russell should be here because, like, the last. It's time the absolution. <laughs> this is not Twitter, Mister Gillis. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that. Oh, oh. <laughs> so we have the existentialist, we have the absolution. This is, I think we're all fired. <laughs> absolution is just Namor in front of a mirror. <laughs> it's not like the Wolverine versus Psych, like two teams of X Men that, you know. It's not a team, it's just, well, no. it's just Namor in a mirror. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Namor versus the inevitable ravages of time? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, one of them is pondering existence, and the other guy is just pondering his abs. Okay, so I do have a question. You brought up the uh, the Cyclops Wolverine thing. Mm-hmm. So right now we have a universe where Wolverine's gone, Cyclops is kind of on the periphery of the X-Men. And so something I've been thinking about lately is what makes the X-Men the X-Men character-wise. We've talked about themes. But as far as, like, characters, like, do you guys think there are any specific well, and characters Professor X that... Is dead. And Professor X is dead, yeah. So do you guys think there are any specific characters or character archetypes that, like, have to be on the team for X-Men to feel like X-Men? My answer is no. <laughs> as in, like, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of wish they... Part of me wishes they had the, the original Claremont plan of aging them up and just, you know, literally yeah. the constant aging. I wish they kind of done that. Uh, when I was writing the X-Men, this is what makes the X-Men different from anybody else. It's what's called the X-Men. Oh, I would say, apart from Wolverine, there's nobody who can't be good. And of course, they're proving that uh, that wrong as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And the thing about the X-Men, they're floating. Like, no one has to be a hero. No one, you know, Cyclops could be a villain forever, and that's okay. You know, they still with the X-Men if Cyclops is a villain forever. That is, for me, one of the key and magical things about the concept. So it's a concept. Oh, what about the rest of you guys? What do you think? I think they need to be outcasts. Mm. And I think being born that way is very... Yeah, like, you have yeah. to accept what you're given, those mm. are the cards you're given. It wasn't an accident, it wasn't a choice, yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's the goal. They they take a goal upon themselves due to what they are. Yeah, so it's not, like, about necessarily what mutants are, it's about what the X-Men's version of what mutants should do yeah. is. Right. Well, mm-hmm. but also of having a team that's focused on unhealthy mutants. I keep on coming back, I mean, it'd be crunchy and academic really briefly, I keep on coming back to the, meta- the X-Men metaphor and where it does and doesn't work, and the idea that the metaphor that works best, at least when I look at it, is the evolution of disability activism, from a medical model to um, a social model, and specifically things like, you know, slowly like nothing about us without us, almost perfectly tracking and paralleling the arc of the X-Men's politics within the comics in the Marvel Universe. I've heard you say it before, and I agree, that's interesting. And no one's, I don't think anyone's ever done it in the comics. And it's weird because there are things like, questions like, you know, does the ADA exist in the Marvel Universe? Because if it does, it would cover mutants very, very clearly, especially under the revised categories. Well, that's something we've been thinking about lately in general. Is like, in the Marvel Universe, how does normal stuff work? Like, it was recently, we, we brought it up in the yeah. Longshot episode. Oh, yeah, like, people have jetpacks. There are jetpacks. How does this affect law? Why does this everyone use jetpacks? But All I think that everything's being destroyed too much for them to be concerned about that. Like, no one does taxes because New York gets destroyed every week. Damage control. So, like, we're just, like, just way too worried about other things. Galactus mm-hmm. is here. Again. There is no like, actual, about you know, treasury. It's just Tony Stark. <laughs> but no, I, Keeping I, their money. Like, uh, <laughs> something I would love to see, like, if, if I were kind of guiding any kind of excellence, something I would love to see is, okay, mainstream society, how does that change with mutants exist? How does that change if superpowers exist for that matter? I know this has been explored in a lot of a lot of other books, mostly outside of Marvel. I want to see a book about the bureaucrats. It's like damage control, but the office, like, the office which doesn't sound like an interesting comic, but I think it could I be. Think, I think it could be a good TV show. No, like She-Hulk's not that far away. When he That's starts true, doing lawyers. Yeah. I mean, a Peter Guyrich, uh, you know, Guyrich book uh, with him trying just about paperwork. That's and quite funny. Val Cooper <laughs> tries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it had me go with him. Yeah, so do you want to cover anything else that we've been going for, for a while at this well, point? Well, let's see. We've got a couple. We, we put out a call for questions from listeners. Alton NCF asks on Twitter, is there progress on Chris's Emma Frost book? I wish. <laughs> I tried. Heaven knows I try. Every time they get me on the phone, something comes up. <laughs> yeah. I think Emma needs to be brought slightly into the fore in the mix. Uh, I think I think Emma, you know, should be interested. It could be a much more dominant figure now. I feel like with the stuff that happened in the most recent issue of Uncanny, she's kind of the character who's most immediately poised to take up the banner of the mutant revolution. I mean, you know, if, if there's anything left after Secret Wars, which you guys all know and can't tell us, the super glamorous revolution. 
<laughs> I'm still trying to segue this back to Sinister Gradually, okay. right? Glam rock. I don't know. Sinister is a system. Thank you. Yes. Thank no, you. But, but he's fascinating and he's a really, really interesting continuity vortex. Sinister or Sinister is a system? Sorry, it's one of my. Uh, <laughs> in one of the stories today, but it was, I kind of use that as a catchphrase constantly. Uh, um, how did that work mechanically? Was he was he essentially a viral meme? Was he actually overwriting people? Because there was the legacy hook that, that Mike Carey started of, of him just sort of gradually writing himself into people's gen- genetics. But it, then he's got you know his whole underground city even beyond that. I think one of the things we deliberately I deliberately did I was implying there were other he was trying multiple ways of immortality at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was thinking eventually there was inevitably going to you know if we carried on that approach it would inevitably become a sinister war of some kind with all the various ways of sinisters attempted immortality going to war with each other you know that kind of stuff is fun I deliberately didn't want to step on anything Marjorie was doing my main main problem was when he came to him is like what was he what's he what's he genuinely trying to do mm-hmm. he's a guy who's been in all the the classic noise character he's been in all the scheming never really about reason here's what he's trying to do he's trying to create competing species which is basically him. Sort of like uh, the I, the whole thing that was being addressed in Peter David's Madrox miniseries, mm-hmm. but like taken way further. Oh yeah, and it's like kind of like I mean, at least one of the th- the fear thing was basically the X Men. It's a gift, your genes and all this kind of stuff. This is a gift. This is part of you. And Lisa says this. That's all you are. And that that least the part of there is determinism. He's like an old nineteenth century idea of actually how determinism works, but it works. And so the idea of determinism being right is scary. Uh, so that's why that means was sinister. And those kind of things I was trying to get him up to. Because he's, he's, he's probably been for 100 years. He's got to be up to something. You know, he's interested in that. Right. And I guess. Did they ever reveal why he was so obsessed with Summers and the... Because uh, it was Summers. Yeah. But also Jeans. Uh, yeah. Well, because they were trying to... He was trying to breed Cable to take down Apocalypse, basically. Uh, is yeah. my understanding. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. That's always yeah. what I got from it. This is, okay, the speech I've never ever done is like Hank McCoy saying, We're not species, you know. It's that kind of. Thank you, yes! Uh, um, <laughs> oh my god! That, that, that was the kind of. That was literally the scene, and it's, it's a useful metaphor. I let, you know, I let Charles get away, but it's not, you know, this is, you know, this is ultimately harmful and bad science. It, that, that's the thing, Hank would probably have dropped that. Alright, so I'm going to pull a question off a topic. This isn't particularly specific to this group or this episode, but it's a good one, and I'd really like to hear everyone else's takes on it. So Twisted Mentats um, asks, again on Tumblr, with the recent news of Sansa Stark and others being cast in X-Men Apocalypse, what are some things you guys would like to see in upcoming X-Men films? With the announcement that uh, the Apocalypse will be the last movie Jennifer Lawrence will appear in, I am hoping we'll see her and Destiny in their partnership and relationship that was hinted at so much in the comics. There's a character they haven't really used called Wolverine. <laughs> There's not enough. This one white dude in the center of all the movies. I want to see if they can make X Men. If they can ramp up from Days of Future Past and make X Men Apocalypse about the same three white men three times instead of twice. There's a character called Unit. Goals. Why not? <laughs> Do you think There's a character called Unit who I think you get money for. <laughs> 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 That's, uh, I just want to see one scene finally where you have Scott, Gene, Angel, Iceman. Mm. I'll stay there. I'll lose my goddamn mind. Yeah. But interesting enough, yeah. they're, they're, three of those are cast for the next movie, right? Or no, Gene and... We have, we have, we have Gene Cyclops, Gene... Yeah, uh, yeah, we don't have Warren and, and uh, Bobby. Bobby. But they mm. did cast Jubilee, and uh, mm. I was curious if they are going to make her a founding... I don't know, movie. she's like, in the other three movies. But she wasn't in the age groups. Kitty's changed three times. Yeah. Um, I don't understand something happening anymore. Yeah, I, I want to know if a new Minions movie could work. A new Minions movie could be awesome. Yeah. You know, make it all like... 1970s or whatever it is. Well, we need Vietnamese. Set it during punk. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be really interesting. Like, uh, like culture, that's interesting culture gap there. That'd be good. I want to see like a Valkyrie 
Danny Moonstar on screen. Yeah, mm. that'd be tight. Yeah. That would be rad. Doing it in a Susie Sue mode. So I've got become the punk thing. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, Valkyrie done the Susie Sue makeup. That'd be fucking awesome. Magic <laughs> yeah. needs to be on screen too. I said this around Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's like, well, you know, Fox, if you're much aware that you own a book called Sword. And it's like, I, I remember made the joke about you earlier, but that kind of way, if you want to do something Star Jammers you know, you can very easily do that. Because the thing is, there's Guardians of the Galaxy, and yes, there's the whole, like, dated thing of the mixtape that Peter Quill has, but an actual, like, 70s swinging space pirate star jammer movie <laughs> would be amazing. I just want to see that thing with mustaches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> star does always sound more like a, sort of like a sex party thing than an actual, like, super scene, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 That's what Greg Rocco about this when he started on the Cyclops series. We, we actually asked if the Star Jammers had key parties. <laughs> to which he answered, probably not, but they'd probably be okay with it, I think. Oh, it, it was, that was almost the title of the episode, yeah. Key Party in Space. Oh, but we changed it. <laughs> Well, yeah, what do you think, um, Marguerite? X Men movie, like where where does that go? I don't know. All this sounds amazing. So I'm just really so stoked that Sophie Turner is cast. I'm a huge fan of her. God, yes. Yeah. Like, sounds is like my favorite character in Game of Thrones. I've missed who she's been cast as, by the way. Jean. Jean. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fuck yeah. Yeah. yeah! yeah. Isn't there an X Force rumor going on? Uh, there's a rumor. It's been yeah, around yeah. for years. Yeah. That kind of makes sense in movie terms, doesn't it? Like guns, shootings, lasers, yeah. punches. It really does. See, I just want to like the touchy yeah. feely shit. You just have one scene where Kang just shows just up and goes like, "We're rewriting everything, reboot," and it's, that's how the movie ends. You just want <laughs> like a, a, a John Hughes, you know, X Men. John Hughes X Men. That is what I want. Yes. <laughs> just them crying for three hours because they, they just deal with all of their things. Like, oh god. Oh you know, I god. love the Wes Anderson X Men. Yeah, I would watch the fuck out of that mildly okay. resent that just really? because well because Ellen and I started that the Wes Anderson's X-Men Tumblr months and months before True. That. but I like that I would like it to have been more daring and less what if X-Men had referenced previous Wes Anderson movies and more full steam what if Wes Anderson had directed X-Men so you, what you're saying is you want Wes Anderson to direct, direct X-Men Kind of. I don't know. I feel like I have enough like existential despair and general meaninglessness in my life. See, then he directs the existentialists, and we bring it back around. Oh. Ah. Ah. We got this shit figured out, guys. <laughs> Where's my check? All right. You know what, you know what I want to see? I want to see this. This requires time travel, like all my ideal X Men movies do. Unfortunately. Ah. Uh-huh. So I, I maintain that that unless you can get like nineteen year old Robert Tom Leonard as Teenage Cyclops, you're doing Teenage Cyclops wrong. I would like to see. A low-budget, made-for-TV, BBC in the 90s Excalibur movie. Holy shit. <laughs> and I would like it to include TechNet. And that's, that's, that is my wish. That is, that is what I want for Christmas. A BBC Nightcrawler? How amazing would that be? I want that. Yeah. Oh, crap. Marvel, we're, just, we're writing all your books for you. Well, actually, okay, two of the people are, are actually writing some of your books <laughs> for you. But nonetheless... Some of y'all are Marvel exclusive. Some of you are working on other books and create your own series. Um, what else do you have going on, and where else can people find your work right now? Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, so much of my stuff just hasn't come out yet. It was like, um, I mean, I'm doing uh, Angela's first assassin with Kieran, Stephanie Hans, and Phil Jimenez, and we're about to move into um, Angela 1602 Witch Hunter, which would be like Angela 1602 Witch Hunter Battle World Secret Wars. Neil Gaiman's apostrophe S. I don't know. Basically just tons of punctuation <laughs> in the title. That's a long title. Uh, Elizabethan Modoc in the first episode. There we go. The there movie. we go. Well, I'm sold. It's beautiful. Yes. Oh, it's like, yes. it's beautiful. Modoc, and Ellen Modoc in every book just doing like laundry in the background. Like him in the inhuman door just like walking a dog in the background. Like, like, it makes no sense. He's just a face Walk, with a dog. Walking lockjaw. Yeah. Or he just gets a corgi from someone else's like house. He's like, yeah, I'm walking you. Yeah, we're really, really normal dogs. 
dogs. This is, in my theory is that, that the ridiculous Marvel characters are funnier when they're doing mm. really, really What if Murdoch is like a neighborhood things. dog walker? So he's like 10 of them. You just made a new Secret Wars title, you yeah. realize. Yeah, Secret Wars, Modoc and your pets. Modoc walks and dogs. But um, yeah, so uh, where can people find you online? Oh, um, Evil Marguerite across the board on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Gmail. Um, you, you find me on Uncanny X-Men until that ends. And then the next thing I'm doing during Secret Wars is House of M. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that for the summer. And I'm just Christopher Anger on Twitter and Tumblr. It's pretty easy to find. I'm uh, doing a lot of books that summer. I'm doing, obviously, Angela still. Uh, I'm doing Darth Vader. I'm doing Project I mentioned earlier, which may or may not be announced yet. <laughs> uh, I'm doing Wick and the Vine, still with Jane McAlvey and Matt Wilson. Uh, I'm doing Photogram 3 coming out in August. I'm uh, doing a book called Ludocrats with um, basically imagine Asterix, uh, the, Asterix the Ghoul, but with Obelix as the main character of the story, but the story is Dune. Uh, that'd be a good way of describing it. Wow. Um, and that's going to be amazing. I'm doing uh, some stuff for Avatars, I'm doing Cross Dark, I'm doing Uber still, I'm doing Mercury Heat, which is kind of a science fiction thing that I'm Mercury. Do you sleep? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Oh, I'm, you, I'm Kit, you find me and Kieran Gillen all over the internet. Or if you write about me, I'll stalk you. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't actually get into fights. No, I won't. I'll just, I will just watch and add your name to a list. <laughs> so we're talking. Yeah. And pass it to Marguerite, who has a machete. Yes. <laughs> you know, people ask what's co writing like. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't follow that. I'm, I'm just I'm doing something for DC. It's a Destro Trader. <laughs> uh, you, you sure you want to end with me? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's a Deathstroke story with Tony Daniel. Oh, cool. It's a short nice. story. And, uh, cool. And, oh, you find me, INK484, or Peter B. Wynn, B, because there's a lot of wins out there. But Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for uh, for for joining us, and Margaret especially for just like not even knowing what was going on and just showing <laughs> up. Uh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, Rachel and Miles explain the X-Men is normally recorded in Portland, Oregon, but this time it's coming at you from Seattle, Washington during Emerald City Comic Con. Regardless, we're produced by Bobby Roberts, the producer of the Geek Remixed trilogy of pop culture mashup albums and co-host of the Star Wars podcast, Full of Sith. New episodes come out every Sunday on iTunes, Stitcher, and at rachelandmiles.com. Check out rachelandmiles.com for all kinds of extra content, companion posts to every episode, essays, fan art, X-Men evolution recaps, and much, much more. This podcast is totally listener-supported, and it's made possible by our awesome Patreon supporters. You guys are rad. Thank you. If you'd like to become a supporter, check out the link at the top of our website. Thanks also to Marguerite Bennett, Peter Wynn, Chris Anka, and Kieran Gillen for joining us tonight from Emerald City Comic Con. And next week, we are going to be back with an episode where we cover everything the podcast has covered so far as we celebrate our first year. With Previously on Rachel and Miles Explain the X-Men. 